a Bible, uh, go ahead and find John 21. And uh, we got some volunteers that will pass out a Bible if you need one. Uh, it's on the Restore Church app. So if you've got the Restore Church app, just click Bulletin, and it'll pull up our announcements and our sermon this morning. If you have the YouVersion Bible app uh, on the live event section, you can find Restore Church. And I just want to take a minute to talk about a few things that have nothing to do uh, with the sermon. First of all, I want to thank Jordan for preaching last week. Can you guys give it up for Jordan? Thanks, Jordan, for preaching. Uh, Jordan did a great job. Uh, and I just want to say thank you because uh, it allowed me to go preach at a church in New Bern. Uh, Two Rivers Church, they sent me and my family out to plant the church here in Jacksonville. And in just a couple weeks, you're going to meet my friend Kevin, who's going to come here. And we're going to do the same thing for him. He's going to spend a year here with us. And then we're going to send him out to plant the church in Goldsboro. And so it was, it was really nice and an honor for me to go back and preach there. But I just got to tell you. I love Restore, and I miss it uh, when I'm gone, and that is not just me talking as the pastor. It just felt so good to walk out here uh, uh, in this school and not a set-up facility where everything's easy and all I got to do is lock the door when the day's over and walk away, but I'm not bitter about it. Um, so just want to say uh, thank you guys and say thank you to Jordan. Here's another thing that I need your attention, uh, everybody's attention. One of the most godly things that anyone can do is to be a foster parent, okay? And so we have amongst us in our congregation some foster parents. On Thursday, one of our foster parents got a call uh, and has been placed, uh, ha has a child placed with them. Um, that a particular parent uh, ha does not have all the resources that she needs. And so, church, we are going to make sure that she does. So, uh, either make a mental note, make a note in your phone, or, a, or write this down. Uh, we need these as soon as possible. And by whatever means, you can call me, text me, Facebook, uh, use our email address at info at Restore Church, okay? It's a five-year-old boy. Um, we size five shirts and size six pants, but this is the key. Uh, he's having some issues going to the bathroom, so we need elastic bands. Okay, elastic bands. I think I need to start working on the elastic bands. I think I need those too. I'll put that on my Christmas list. Size five shirt, size six pants. Um, he loves books, so he needs books. Um, some Minecraft, he likes Minecraft and superheroes, those kind of things. Um, and then if anyone has one, uh, this particular parent uh, is was going to do it on their own, but if anyone has a kid's like tablet, Amazon Fire, she was, uh, this parent was going to buy them for him to go back with him. Uh, so if, you know, if you have one or willing to, to purchase that. Um, so we need these things like today because they're going to go home and they still don't have these things. Uh, I'm not looking in a general direction. Did we find out a shoe size? No shoe size. All right. Uh, stay, pay attention to our Facebook and we'll post the shoe size later. Okay. Thank you for loving people that you know or may not know and all of the above, okay? Appreciate it. Um, real quickly, I want to talk one more about one more thing that's coming up. Uh, we finished, John, so next week we're going to start a new series called Stomping on Eggshells. Uh, you've heard the phrase, man, I feel like I'm always stepping on eggshells or tiptoeing around eggshells. Well, we're going to talk about healthy relationships for the next four or five weeks, we're going to talk about healthy relationships. We are not going to step on eggshells. We're going to stomp on eggshells because we're going to have healthy, confident relationships 
and we're going to talk about that. All right, so we got to kind of fly through the rest of this sermon, so kind of hold on and get ready uh, for this. I want to get kind of right to the point. There's one thing that churches, we kind of shy away from, and that is churchy language. Uh, man, we've been kind of hit on, you know, the guy at the beach with the sign that says uh, repent. And so we kind of shy away from the word repent because it kind of gives people the bad, uh, the, like a bad taste in their mouth. Or you, you might be reading through a certain translation of the Bible and you skip over words like propitiation or you're confused by words of the Trinity. Look, I've been to Bible college twice. I'm still confused by them. So we're on the same page. But one word that I want to talk about this morning that is really important for all of us to really understand clearly is the word redemption and the word redeemed. If you look up the definition of redemption, it's going to give you a longer definition. We're going to have a working definition this morning, and our working definition is bought for a purpose. I mean, you can find it on Webster or whatever, but it's going to, it's going to say an act of redeeming or atoning for a fault or a mistake. Anybody ever made a mistake? Man, y'all need to get together. I've never made one. I don't know what it feels like. Or the state of being redeemed for a purpose, bought for a purpose. One of the things that I can't get my mind around, but I kind of love to watch, is how pallets of wood have become the most, like, I don't, I, I don't keep up with what's in trend, but they become, like, the most trendy thing ever. People are going crazy over pallets. All a pallet is is mistaken wood that they couldn't use for anything else, so they pin it together to some, like, what, two-by-fours so that they can carry other stuff. And that's the purpose of a pallet. But some of y'all have this creative mind, and people have taken pallets and turned them into gardens. They turn them into furniture. Y'all, check this out. Some people have taken pallets and created their homes out of them. People live in pallets. Now, some of y'all are like, man, that sounds so good to me. That sounds crazy to me, but hey... You, uh, some of y'all, I have no creativity. I'm like the least creative person, but I'm amazed by people who can do that. To me, that is like such a great image of what redemption looks like. These broken things that could not be used for anything else, all of the sudden restored, bought, and created into a new purpose. We can understand the de definition of redemption when we look at pallet houses or gardens or furniture or whatever. Um, maybe it's a vehicle. Maybe you're a, a gearhead, right? And you like to take broken vehicles and turn them into, into these antique things that everyone gazes at as it drives down the road. Or maybe you like to go to antique shows and look at other people's rust. Uh, what about when you look in the mirror? When you look in the mirror, do you see something redeemed? Or do you say things like, God can't use me because... Of this, or, or I can't be used because I'm whatever. I don't even have a purpose other than my job, my career, I'm a mother, I'm a dad, I'm a father, a Marine, whatever. What about this? What about when you look across the cubicle or when you walk into work? Maybe you can see redemption when you look in the mirror. Maybe you can look in the mirror and say, yes, I have been bought by God, but when you walk in and you see other people, what do you think about them? I'm just going to say this. If you look at other people and you think, man, there's no way that they can be redeemed, bought for a purpose, or used by God, then you don't completely understand your own redemption. 
Remember this definition. We're going to use it through the whole rest of the sermon. Bought for a purpose. All right, you're in John chapter 18, right? We're going to kind of hustle together. But I'm going to paint the picture one more time. One final time of John. Remember, when Jesus was sitting around with his disciples in John chapter 13, you remember the huge act of service that we see Jesus do. He bends down, he washes the feet of the disciples. But not only did he wash the feet of the disciples in that chapter, in that same chapter in John 13, he predicts, he washes their feet, he also predicts his betrayal. Now when we think of Jesus being betrayed, usually we typically think of who? We think of Judas, and rightly so. However, before Jesus foretells uh, that Judas is going to betray him, he tells Peter, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Remember Peter's response? Lord, I'll never deny you. Lord, I, I will die with you. And that's the backdrop of where we are when we get to John chapter 18. Now, Kendra preached on John 18 a couple weeks ago, and she did a fantastic job. I'm just going to kind of skate around some of the passages. So it, it should come to no surprise. When you think about John 13, where the betrayal and service are listed at the same time, that John 18 begins with Judas betraying Jesus with a kiss in the garden. We saw that a couple weeks ago. And then the same thing happens with Peter. Peter betrays Jesus. Let's look at the passages. You're familiar with them. We read them a couple weeks ago. John chapter 18, beginning in verse uh, 15. Simon Peter and another disciple were following Jesus. Because this disciple was known to the high priest, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. But Peter had to wait outside the door. The other disciple who was known to the high priest came back spoke to the servant girl on duty and uh, on duty there and then brought Peter in. You aren't one of the man's disciples too, are you? She asked Peter. He replied, I, I am not. It was cold and the servants uh, and officials stood around a fire they had made to keep warm. Peter also was standing with them, warming himself. Let's keep the, like, the story going. Skip down to verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was still standing there warming himself, so they asked him, You aren't one of the disciples too, are you? He denied it, saying, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, challenged him. All right, you can't really hide from that one. <laughs> I'm related to the dude that you cut his ear off. His name is Malchus, by the way. I'm related to Malchus. You cut his ear off. Um, and then she said, didn't I see you with him in the garden? Talking about Jesus. And again, Peter denied it. And at that moment, a rooster began to crow. Jesus is alone. All of his disciples have scattered for fear of their own persecution. All of them except two. The other disciple. The Bible keeps referring to the other disciple. That's John. That's the guy who wrote, the, uh, wrote this book. Sorry, my beard's getting in the way. Blame it on the beard. Um, all the disciples fled except Peter and John, but Peter might as well have ran. In John 13, he told Jesus he would never deny him. He, he would rather die with Jesus than deny his involvement and, and his love for him. What a bold claim he made then, one that he certainly isn't living up to now. And as Jesus was being ridiculed, beaten, and mocked, there's Peter, who has the opportunity to stand up for Jesus. But he's standing on the outskirts of everything, 
standing beside a fire, keeping warm, doing the very thing he swore that he would not do to Jesus. Three times he's given the opportunity, and three times he fails. Maybe after the first one, he quickly shakes it off, and he tells himself, I'm not going to do it again. No, no, I got two more chances. I I wouldn't do it again. Then after the second one, he thought, all right, it, it was only a fluke. I just need to be more careful. I'm really going to look for the next question, maybe. But after being asked a third time and seeing the possible consequences of, of who it is that's asking it, you know, it's a family member of Malchus, the guy who he cut his ear off of. Peter, he doesn't want to get involved in this fight. Maybe he's conquered by fear. And he denies Jesus again. Three times given the opportunity, three times he fails. In one of the other Gospels, it tells the same story of Peter denying Jesus three times. And then it says, when the rooster crowed, the Lord looked at him. Y'all remember that look that your parents would give you? And you know that they saw what you just did? And you don't even have to say anything. You know you're in trouble. Imagine Peter. Look, of all the stories of Peter, this one describes me the most. Like, this is Peter. There's there's this Peter that we read about. He shows his faithfulness, right? Like, he's he's the one who stepped out of the boat. He he walked on the water to Jesus. There's Peter at times where he says to Jesus that you have the words of eternal life, and, and where else could we go? Peter's the first one of the disciples to come to the realization that that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. All moments that were like, Peter, you are the man. Now listen, I love those moments. I love the moments where God looks at me and he's like, Roger, I'm proud of you. That was huge. It was probably more like, Roger, I didn't really expect that. Good job. (laughs) But then there's this story. There are blemishes on my record of being a pastor. There are blemishes on my record of being a Christ follower. And there's this big blemish on the life of Peter. This is the story of, Jesus, I promise you, I won't do it again. Then it turns into, Jesus, I I really, like, never again, it won't happen. And then inevitably, it turns into the echoes of a rooster. Haven't you ever been in one of those situations? Maybe, maybe you're in one now. There's this reoccurring sin that continues to creep into the back pew of your life for whatever reason it is. It won't leave you or your spouse alone. And you never thought it would be there. You never thought it would come back or, or you never thought anyone would find out. You thought that by now, at this stage of your life, you would have conquered it. But there it is still creeping, still causing havoc. It's the sin that, that makes you show, so ashamed that you, you don't even want to pray about it. It's the sin that makes you cringe to say it out loud. It's the one that if anyone else in here knew about it, you wouldn't even make eye contact with them today for fear of being embarrassed. You know that feeling? 
take it and, and multiply it. And once you multiply it, multiply it again because then you have a small portion of what Peter is going through in his mind. I mean, he could have swore that Jesus was wrong. Jesus never, not while you're washing my feet. Remember Peter saying, wash my whole body then. He could have swore that he was going to stick his feet in the ground and say, yes, I know him. You can kill me too if you, wa- if you want. But he didn't. The story of Peter, this story of Peter, is the one that resonates with me the most. Why? I've told God, God, I won't deny you. God, every chance I get, I'll stand up for you. I've said things like, Lord, I'll never do that again. I've said things like, the next time this situation comes up, I will fill in the blank, make my stand. I've said things like, God, I'm going to quit this. I promise, or God, I'm going to start this tomorrow. And then it seems like only days later, I'm falling back into the trap. I'm falling back into, I don't know, laziness or just ambiguity or like just indifference. And I think to myself, I don't deserve it. I don't deserve to be able to speak with God. I I don't deserve grace. Um, I I think about my kids a lot uh, because usually it's like, what are they into? Are they safe? Especially when things are quiet. But, uh, man, I I got the chance, the opportunity to go with uh, my family last week. We went to Two Rivers Church and preached three services. Whew. You'd think two services. But you know what? But they don't pack a trailer. Three services, a cakewalk. I'm not bitter about it. We're good. We're good. We're working through some things, you know. Working through some things. Um, no, but I, when last time I was there with my kids, they were tiny. Now they are just a little less tiny. And I, I just start to think about my family. And, and you, at points, I mean, dads, husbands, you, you just look at your spouse sometimes and you're like, how did I deserve this? Your kids, how, how do I deserve this? Grace. How do I deserve it? Because I take advantage of it over and over and over, and sometimes I don't even realize it. Remember our definition of redemption? We'll put it back on the screen. Bought for a purpose. I think at some level we can all understand uh, I think we can all understand that, that there is a, like any perfect eternity. There's a perfect God. And for you and I, a sinner, uh, to belong there, there, has, there had to have been a price to be paid. And unfortunately, that price was the price of Jesus' life. And Jordan did a great job speaking about that last week. You're not perfect. If you are perfect, don't come back. (laughs) You are the one person who doesn't belong here, okay? So if you're perfect or want to pretend like you are, this just is not the church for you. And uh, I don't know that there really are any, uh, maybe, but um, none that I know of. I'm not perfect. I don't want to be perfect. But because of our imperfect imperfection and God's perfection there had to be a price paid 
that connected the two. And that was the price of Jesus. Now for a moment, can you think about the life of Peter? Can you imagine what the next three days were like for him? This was Jesus' best friend. He's the one that he vowed, the one he said, I would never, those kind of things. And the last thing that Jesus sees Peter do is deny him the third time the rooster crowed and Jesus looked at him. What's going through Peter's mind as Jesus is being taken down off the cross? As he's being carried off to a tomb, as the, the tomb is, is uh, rolled down, in, or the stone is rolled down in front of the tomb and sealed. What's going through Peter's mind? Regret? Shame? Isolation? Uh, depression? Uh, anxiety? Doubt? I mean, can you imagine what the first night was like? I bet he didn't sleep. And then the first, if he did, the first thing he thinks about when he wakes up is, man, I messed up. I had that one chance and I blew it. <clears throat> and then the second night comes. He falls asleep again, maybe for just a moment. And then he wakes up. I mean, it's all he can think about. And then came the third day. And he says to John, John, we got to go. Man, I, I just got to go down there. Maybe to pray, maybe just to look, maybe just to see it. The third day came, look, John chapter 21, flip over just a couple chapters, uh, verse 15. When they'd finished eating, uh, Peter, Jesus had come back, he, he, he showed himself to Peter. Verse 15, when they'd finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Jesus said, uh, yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Then feed my sheep. Simon, son of John, Jesus said again, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you, you know that I love you. Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know all things. And you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself, you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. All right. We have finished John. I want to be nerdy for just a moment. Um, and I want to wrap up this sermon uh, with a little nerd moment, okay? And I promise it will get us somewhere. One thing we like to do at Restore Church every now and then is give you something. We should do it more often than every now and then. But we, should, is, is we give you something on a Sunday that you can take this and apply it to your life tomorrow. Now, the majority of this morning, the majority of what we've talked about in our definition of redemption is that we've been bought. 
Now, it's not hard. Well, it might be, but it's not hard to read through Scripture and, and realize that you and I have been bought. There was a price that's been paid. But our definition of redemption is bought for a purpose. How I mean, I can't tell you how many times I was talking with someone and we talk about purpose. It's like, I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. I don't know. So I really like math. Uh, I wish I knew more about math than I do because math tells you everything. You can figure out almost everything with numbers, and they never lie. And if you finish and your answer's wrong, that means you messed up. So you just go back and figure it out. I love it. They tell you the truth every time. So here's how we can figure out our purpose. Okay, this is great. I don't know why you're not writing this down. This is a mathematic formula drawn from scripture and jesus loved math he counted okay he used percentages i can go on and on about math it's everywhere okay tough crowd let's figure out our purpose now this is a simple algebra equation do you guys remember pim dot or please excuse my dear aunt sally sally there's a formula for which you figure out the variables so what we're trying to figure out is purpose i love this so let's say that purpose is our X, right? That's what we're trying to figure out. We're trying to solve for our purpose. What is my purpose in my life? Well, we get, the first thing we've got to figure out is what's in the parentheses. So this is how we find out our purpose. There's, there are things that are going to stay constant in our life. That is, the life of the Christ follower, our whole goal, no matter what we do, is to glorify God. That is our common denominator, is to glorify God. Everything we do will be, quote-unquote, divided by our attempt at glorifying God. No matter what your job, no matter what your knowledge, no matter uh, where you are or your abilities or whatever, your job is to glorify God. So what we do is we figure out what's in the parentheses first. So our current season. Look, one of the best lessons that my family had ever learned is that everything is a season. Listen, are you going through a tough spot right now? Everything's a season. You're going through a great, season, a great portion of your life, everything's a season. So what is your current season right now? What, what is happening in your life? And then you add the people that are around you, okay? So we're loving God. This is how we're going to love people. See how this is working? I love math so much. Current season, what's going on, or your circumstance. Your current people that are around you, and then the God-given abilities that you have. All right, what I'm going to try to say is, if, if I find myself trying to be the uh, record keeper for a group, um, I need to check that because that's not my God-given ability. If I tell you and your friends, hey, I will organize something, you just need to move right along and call me a liar and ask for forgiveness because I am not the organizer. So you take all of this, your current season, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really make this real in a minute. Your current season, your current people, the people that are around you, or, or, yeah, the people that are around you, your ability, and then you multiply it by the power, see what I did with that? The power of the Holy Spirit. You can't do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the exponential power of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians tells us that God will do immeasurably more than anything we could do on our own. So let me explain this. I'm going to do it with the life of Peter. 
the, the life of Peter that was reclaimed and bought for a purpose. The life of Peter that really shouldn't have amounted to anything because he betrayed Jesus so much, how it amounted to life and satisfaction. Check this out. We're solving for Peter's purpose. In Acts chapter 2, it's the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit lands on him. That's his current season. The people around him are the Jews, and they're all listening. And his God-given ability is to speak. And so with the power of the Holy Spirit, he stands up and preaches because he wants to give God the glory in that moment. And what happens? The first gospel message is preached, and 3,000 people give their life to Jesus that day. The book of Acts continues, and mainly the Christian faith is only contacting Jews. But then in Acts chapter 10, there's Peter trying to figure out his purpose. He goes to sleep. It's his current season in life. Uh, the Gentile, uh, the people are the Gentile audience. His God-given ability in that moment is influence, multiplied by the Holy Spirit. And uh, the underlying theme is giving God glory in his life. He listens to God as God includes Gentiles into the faith. That's you and me. And now we become Christians. What's your redeemed purpose? What's the purpose that God bought you for? Listen, God did not buy you to sit you on a shelf to look pretty. God bought you for a purpose. What is it? Maybe your current season is that you're living in Jacksonville and the people around you are isolated mothers and God's given you the ability to plan. Multiply that by the power of the Holy Spirit and your, and your sole purpose to give glory to God and all of a sudden you're organizing mom play days here at Restore. Or maybe you are a Marine, most likely you're a Marine, and the people around you are other Marines, and you know how Marines love other Marines. But you've been given the ability to love relentlessly. And your purpose in this life is to glorify God. And now all of a sudden you got a, a Bible study starting around where you are. Uh, maybe you're a, a father, and the people around you are your wife and your kids. And you've been given the ability or the responsibility. Multiply that by the power of the Holy Spirit and you will lead your family because your purpose is to glorify God and make disciples in your home. And that's your purpose. Why did God purchase you? What is your, what is your redeemed purpose? And are you living it out? Peter was given grace to show grace. There was a pi price paid for all of us the life of Jesus. Are we living the purpose that God has for us? Let's pray. Hey God, we love you and we thank you that you didn't buy us just for, I don't know, display purposes, but God, that you give us purpose and reason in our life. So Lord, um, thanks. God, use us. Uh, awaken our dry bones, God. Send us God, I pray that your Holy Spirit stirs in us in a way that we, we can't experience on our own. God, that can move in us to make, um, to make you satisfied, to glorify you. And God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.